From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is, wait, wait, don't tell me, the NPR News Quiz. Complete and total excitation. It's the Biller Report. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Seigel. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. We've got a great show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to Andrew Rannells, the star of Girls and HBO and Black Monday on Showtime, and of course, the original star of The Book of Mormon on Broadway. Now, if you don't know that show, it's the one so incredibly and hilariously obscene that the only part of the score we can play for you is this. <laughs> Hello. That's it. That's all you get. If you want to hear more, send your children out of the room and turn it on. We'll try to keep our conversation with him PG-rated. Also with you, give us a call. The number is one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, I'm Tony, and I'm from Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Jacksonville Beach, Florida? That's where things get crazy, right? In spring break, right? Yeah, I'm actually friends with uh, Florida Man, the redheaded guy that did the hurricane video. Oh, really? <laughs> do, do you, do you Florida men, do you, like, compete to try to be the, like, the, the, the top, the last Florida man? Is that, like, a point of pride for you all now? It's really more like, it's, there's not even any point trying, because the meth head down the street is going to bring an alligator into a 7-Eleven, and there's nothing you can do to That's stop. true. <laughs> Just give up now. Well, welcome to the show, Tony. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's a comedian who will be headlining at Theater 99 in Charleston, South Carolina on Wednesday, April 3rd. It's Hari Kondabulu. <laughs> Next, it's a comedian whose debut comedy album, Babylon Ball Z, is available on all streaming platforms. It's Brian Babylon. <laughs> And finally, a comedian performing May 3rd in Denver at the Paramount Theater and May 10th in Seattle at the Moore Theater. It's the co-host of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's Paula Poundstone. So, Tony, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three quotations in the week's news. Your job, of course, explain or identify just two of them. Do that. You'll win our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Here is your first quote. No collusion, no obstruction. Complete and total exoneration. That was the president celebrating something that literally said, quote, it does not exonerate the president. (laughs) What was it? It's the Mueller report. The Mueller report, or the bar summary thereof. The Mueller report... The Mueller report was submitted to the Attorney General last weekend, and according to his brief summary, it says the president did not do the thing he totally did. (laughs) Republicans were thrilled, Democrats were devastated, but if you want to feel sorry for somebody, how about Mike Pence? He found out last weekend he's not going to be president after (laughs) all. (laughs) But the people who are really upset are the hardcore Mueller fans, the ones who bought the Mueller Time t-shirts and the mugs and the candles. And in one sad but true case, the guy who got Robert Mueller's face tattooed on his arm. He's he's now telling everybody it's actually a Japanese symbol that means serenity. (laughs) 
you know what's driving me crazy? What, it's even Paula? Even the answer to this question, it, 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 it's not the Mueller report. It's the Barr report. Right. It just, I'll tell you something. I just read the Barr summary of A Tale of Two Cities, and <laughs> it's one line, and he says, Dickens says, it was the best of times. <laughs> Now, it was such a disappointing conclusion to yes. the whole thing. I mean, it, it's like, you know, is it obstruction of justice or not? He's like such, a, it's like talking to a crappy therapist. Like, so is it obstruction of justice? Do you think it's obstruction of justice? <laughs> How do you feel about his exactly. justice? I mean, did he also write the end of The Sopranos? Like, just, <laughs> what happened? What, what happened? Is he dead or not? <laughs> All right, Tony, your next quote is from none other than Oprah. They're in a billion pockets, y'all. A billion pockets. Oprah was talking about the advantages of working with a ubiquitous big tech company. She joined forces with them this week for a big announcement. What is that company? Oh, God, I actually have no idea. Well, it's <laughs> happened at their big event in Cupertino at their headquarters. The fact that their products are in a billion pockets is kind of a clue. Oh, Hot Pockets? Oh, bro. <laughs> Somebody whispered in my ear. <laughs> all right, two points. Two points. Two points. First of all, was the person who whispered in that ear an actual friend of yours? And secondly, it's not right, but I just would love to live in a world in which Oprah came out and announced her alliance with Hot Pockets. Wait. Hot Pockets! Back, back up a second. Wait a second. Wait, so you gave him the clue that it's in, you know... Billions a, of a pockets. pockets. You put Hot Pockets in your actual pockets, sir? <laughs> That's why they call them... Florida is a bizarre place. Really? <laughs> You're right. No, it's not Hot Pockets. Like I said, it was a tech company. It's, uh, is it an Apple product? It is uh, an Apple thing, yes. At this week's big Apple event, they didn't introduce any new Apple devices, because seriously, at this point, what's left? The Apple IUD? No, instead, they said they were getting into two new kinds of businesses. First, Apple TV. They brought out a bunch of big stars, like Oprah Winfrey, to tell us they would be putting out new original programming. Everybody was so excited because they thought Oprah was the new Apple product. It's like Siri, except she tells you what to do. Oprah, what's the weather like? If you believe in yourself, the sun never stops shining on you. You know, I'm wondering if, now that Apple has heard you mention the IUD, <laughs> if they won't, now I'm not, I am not a biology expert, nor a, nor a, a sex master. Um, <laughs> Would, would it be accurate to say that if there was a camera on the IUD, it would see the sperm going by? It would have, it would have to be like a special slow motion camera, yeah. but technically we can work that in there. Yeah. Do we want the government having that? They already do. They already have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, announced, they announced, too, that uh, it was like Apple credit card. Yes. And then Apple Arcade. So yes. now... I don't know how oh. Apple's getting into the bank business, but well, this it's is... going to get creepier. There's going to come a time where you go like, "Achoo!" and you go, "Oh, I just spent 50 bucks." <laughs> <laughs> you it know, will be, however, the first credit card ever to have really crappy battery life. 
You, you know, no, knowing Apple, uh, you're going to have to probably buy a, a special reader and then a special adapter and then a special plug. And, uh, yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah. All right. Here is your last quote. Even Barbie got to go to space. There was a woman named Christine Zawicka on Twitter reacting to the news that NASA had canceled what historic first they had scheduled for this week. It was supposed to be the first all-female spacewalk. You're exactly right. Yes. <laughs> a few weeks ago on this show, we celebrated this planned landmark and space exploration, the first all-woman spacewalk, but it was canceled. And why? Because they didn't have enough spacesuits in women's sizes. Is you know, that true? It is true. It always stinks when you find the perfect outfit to keep your blood from boiling out in the vacuum of space, and they don't have it in your size. The question is, right, it turns out, like, literally they have, like, only one spacesuit that fits a woman, so the second woman couldn't go. And the question is, why couldn't NASA just make another one? It's a cliche to say, you know, they put a man on the moon and they can't do this. These are literally the people who put a man on the moon. That is just weird that they wouldn't have one other spacesuit hanging well, around. Well, it's almost like NASA. You know what it is? It's because they throw their stuff down when they're done from their trip. They don't put their clothes away neatly, and then they don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> or you, they could have just checked, like, the thrift stores, because you know someone Marie Kondoed one of those things <laughs> one of those days. Bill, how did Tony do in our quiz? Tony did perfect. Congratulations, you, Tony. Tony. Thanks so much, Peter. It was great to be on the show. Thank you. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Hurry, the Pope, as we know, has some unusual opinions for a Pope. Well, this week, we found out he really doesn't like it when you try to kiss his what? All right, I got to be careful here. <laughs> would, it, would it be his ring? Yes, yeah. wow. it would right. be his ring. It's a long-held tradition. Catholics line up for hours to kiss the Pope's ring, but this week, this video of Pope Francis went viral where he repeatedly yanked his hand away from people trying to kiss it. It was very strange. They weren't even trying to use their tongues. <laughs> the video, you must see it, it's great. The Pope Hilarious. is kindly shaking hands with these line of pilgrims waiting to greet him. But when they go to kiss his ring, he almost like violently takes his hand away. And it's not subtle at all. And you can see his lips moving as he says, down low, too slow. <laughs> you, you know the the the, fu the funniest thing about that video was it was like almost like what I'm like seven people in a row. The person behind him clearly saw the Pope don't like that. Yeah, and they're they're like, oh no, I'm kissing that. Yeah, right. and then they, it's true. And, and they were coming in like like juke moves, like oh, give, yeah. give me that ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, that or ring. maybe they were thinking, well, he's saving himself for, for me. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But instead instead of taking social cues from the situation, they were strategizing. Yeah, you know that I'm last get guy that missed. Ring. Yeah, I also found out something very interesting reading about this incident. When a pope dies or leaves office, but it's almost through death, they destroy the pope's ring, his papal ring. What? Well, it's, you know, because it's yuck. It's got drool on it. Yeah. yeah. Coming up, it's a very frugal bluff the listener game called one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from ServiceNow, making the world of work work better for people. 
Their cloud-based platform and solutions deliver digital workflows that create great experiences for employees and unlock productivity for your whole company. ServiceNow digitizes the work your people have to do so they can do the work they want to do. Using technology to make people more productive and engaged. More at servicenow.com. What does what you eat or don't eat say about who you are and where you fit in? It's the memories and the feelings of nostalgia that is what connects you to your family. It's not chicken or beef or pork. This is Gene Demby of NPR's Code Switch. This week on The Menu, food and family. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Brian Babylon, Hari Kondabolu, and Paula Poundstone. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) Right now... It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff, the listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, my name is Phoebe Hops. Hey, Phoebe, where are you calling from? I'm across the lake in Traverse City, Michigan. Traverse City? Oh, <laughs> Clearly we have some Traversians here who've traversed the way. Yeah. I've been up there. It's remarkably beautiful in that neck of the woods, quite literally. It's, it's beautiful. Cherry capital of the U.S. Did you, do you like cherries? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to our show, Phoebe. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Phoebe's topic? You know what's not cool? $5,000. There's not a lot you can do for just $5,000. Buy a cheap used car, 1,000 foot-long sandwiches from Subway, or one bag of groceries from Whole Foods. <laughs> but this week we read about someone doing something extraordinary for just five grand. Our panel is going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes, absolutely. All right, first let's hear from Paula Poundstone. The knock against Tesla is that they only make cars for the Uber rich, not the Uber driver. That's been absolutely true until now. Elon Musk has created a car that will retail brand new for $5,000. The body of the car is made of pounded soda cans. It is remarkably light, and the advertising potential for the beverage companies may even further lower the overall cost of these unique vehicles. The cars have no temperature controls. The seats do not move. There are no computer components. There is no phone charger. There is no radio or sound system. Musk laughingly suggests that this Tesla should be the real Hummer, because if the driver wants music, they'll have to hum. He says that maybe these drivers will return to the practice of deep thought while they drive, or even the practice of thinking about driving. The car seat's only one, so although it is not a family car, it is a car for someone who has spent a lot of time with their family. The majority of the interior of the car is storage for the large containers of vinegar and baking soda that power it. The company says they don't expect to sell a lot of the $5,000 cars, but that's not the point. The point is to shut up all the people complaining about how much their other cars cost. Tesla comes out with the $5,000 model powered by vinegar and baking soda. Your next story of a miracle being done with just $5,000 comes from Brian Babylon. Gentrification can mean improvements in a neighborhood, bringing money and services 
although it often forces out longtime residents and replaces them with public radio listeners. <laughs> Edric Johnson saw it happening in his neighborhood of Bronzeville in Chicago. He owned his building, but had to find a way to make a living off his new neighbors with very little money to do it. On the day after Christmas last year, Johnson, by chance, played a scratch-off lotto ticket and actually won $5,000. And later that night, his son came over with his white girlfriend. He asked, what are you and your friends like? The answer, goat yoga and late-night ramen restaurants. He didn't know where to get a goat or to do yoga, but he knew where to find some ramen. A quick trip to Costco for three crates of the stuff at six cents a unit, plus two big soup pots, and welcome to the hottest ramen spot on Martin Luther King Drive, Community Coin Ramen. It's been recommended by Oprah, and that brought in new part owner, comedian and actor Hannibal Burris, and his signature Cheddar Fire Ramen. That's a 25-cent bag of flaming Hot Cheetos crushed on a six-cent ramen. <laughs> and that is sold for $11 a bowl. With a BYOB policy and a 3 a.m. closing time, it's now one of Bronzeville's hottest spots. The trick, Johnson says, is to be patient. Eventually, they'll get drunk enough and just show up here. $5,000. And a lot of six-cent ramen leads to a successful restaurant in Chicago. Your last ray of summon coming in under budget comes from Hari Kondabulu. Most people go to high school plays bracing themselves to see yet another production of Death of a Salesman with a pimply Willie Loman, or a fully clothed version of Hair, or God forbid, an all-white raisin in the sun. <laughs> but audience members at North Bergen High School were amazed and surprised to see a stage version of the 1979 science fiction horror movie Alien with spaceships, space suits, one face hugger, and a very scary full-grown xenomorph, all done for just $5,000, or the cost of 10 laptops for poorer students. <laughs> Originally, the school had planned to do Romeo and Juliet, but students felt a play about teenagers being overly emotional and overreacting to being told no just didn't seem realistic. <laughs> so they went with Alien. The film about a space crew that is forced to fight a terrifying, sharp-toothed extraterrestrial was adapted for the stage and directed by English teacher Perfecto Cuevo and was designed by fellow teacher Stephen DeFendini. Their names clearly indicate that they are both in the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> the fact such a production could cost only $5,000 is a testament to some ingenuity and hard work especially given that everything was made with recycled materials. The play went viral and the response has been incredible. Patton Oswalt, who saw a clip of the play, tweeted, this blows my high school's adaptation of Pink Flamingos out of the water. <laughs> the students are anxiously awaiting the review in their school paper, which will almost certainly say, quote, the play was lit or whatever, but don't forget, they're all still nerds. <laughs> So, one of these things costs only $5,000. Was it from Paula Poundstone, a low-end model of a Tesla that runs not on battery power, but on baking soda and vinegar. From Brian Babylon, a ramen restaurant opened for only $5,000 because really, that's what ramen costs. Or, from Hari Kondabulu, $5,000 pays for a high school production of a dramatic adaptation 
of the movie Alien. Which of these is a real story of frugality in the news this week? Oh, man. I'm going to go with number three, Alien. Right. You're going to choose Alien. Yeah. Apparently, everybody in the audience is fans of that as well. Well, we spoke to somebody who was deeply involved in this remarkable project. Hard to convey that Alien popped out of someone's chest on a small budget with high school kids, but kind of worked. That was Brian Bonacci. He's the technical and lighting director for the North Bergen High School production of Alien. I've never been prouder to come from New Jersey than this very moment. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend finding online the videos taken of this production. It's arguably better than the movie. But meanwhile, congratulations, Phoebe. You got it right. You earned a point for Hari. You've won our prize. The voice of your choice in your voicemail. Very good. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye and send cherries. And now the game where you get rewarded for doing things that won you actual rewards instead of this. Andrew Reynolds is a Broadway star most famous for creating the lead role in Book of Mormon, and he's gone on to star in Girls and HBO and Black Monday on Showtime. It's a good thing he did, because like a lot of struggling actors, he had a lot of day jobs, and apparently he was terrible at all of them. Andrew Reynolds, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much for having me. Did you talk to old managers of mine? Did well, you talk to the manager at Nacho Mama's? Is no, but w we had heard that this was in fact a hallmark of your pre-fame days, that you kept like losing jobs. Is that right? Okay, well, it was by my choice, just to be clear. All right. <laughs> Uh, I was very good at an interview. Yeah. I would give a very solid job interview, and then I would get the job, show up, work for one day, decide I hated it, and then leave. Really? So can you give yeah. me an example of the kind of job you, you did for a day, then left? <clears throat> well, I did work at uh, a restaurant near Columbia University called Nacho Mama's. Yeah. And I worked there as a host for one day, yeah. and then I just never returned. Right. Andrew, this is Paula Poundstone. Can I ask you a question? When you applied for work at Nacho Mama's, had you been there before? Had you seen it? Did you know what you were in for? Yes, Paula. I am, I am sad to say I knew exactly what I was getting into, but <laughs> I had only been drunk at that bar. I had never thought about what it would actually be like to work for drunk people at the bar. So right. you didn't, did you ask any questions during your interview? Did you ever say like, so what will I do? Oh, God, no, Paula. I, um, that was also, like, I had a job. I was a temp at Ernst & Young, mm -hmm. and they asked me all these questions about, like, do you know how to answer phones? And I was like, sure. Uh, and then when, once minute, I was there. Wait a minute. Do you not know how to answer phones? Well, I think, like, I think there were, it was multiple lines. Right. So, like, oh, it gets complicated. Yeah, that yeah. is hard. Yeah. So all, my only experience that was watching Lily Tomlin and 9 to 5 do it. <laughs> right, right. Now, you grew up in uh, Omaha. We were just talking about theater kids in high school, so I assume you were one. Well, uh, yes, but I went to an all-boys Catholic school that did not have a drama program, so I did, like, community theater shows. Yeah. 
which means I would often be like, I remember when I was like, I don't know, 17, and I did a production of A Funny Thing Happens on the Way to the Forum, right. but the woman I was playing opposite was like 45. Right. Um, I did a lot of shows like that. You did a lot of shows yeah. like That's that. called acting, Andrew. Yeah. It's acting. <laughs> it was acting. I, I have to ask, how did the whole Catholic school thing work out for you? So great. <laughs> learned that you think perhaps were specific to Catholic school that come up in your adult life now? Um, Paula, I would say shame and guilt. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah, and then also like the fastest way to make your mother feel bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. You, so you, you move off to New York to, to be a performer, and uh, how quickly did it take you to get actually performing jobs? Um, you know, I started performing, I did some, like, summer stock jobs, like, right after, like, while I was still in college, and then wow. I did some dinner theater in Westchester, and then, uh, I, I did a really unfortunate tour of a show called Pokemon Live. Wait, um, <laughs> so when you, you were in a live Pokemon show? Was this, was this performance on ice, or just... How dare you? I know. <laughs> I'm a trained actor. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you give us a sample? I have no idea what this was like. Can you give us like a sample of what your lines were from Pokemon the Stage Spectacular? No, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, uh, we read that you used to audition all the time with just one song. I, uh, that is correct. I decided for myself that I sounded very good singing Born to Run. Right. Wow. By Bruce Springsteen. So I would just sing that for every audition, whether it was correct or not. <laughs> like I sang it for my audition um, for the Lincoln Center Revival of South Pacific. <laughs> and I sang it for the revival of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Do you channel like that, like white man emotion in that song? Yeah. yeah. Do you channel that into the performance? Well, lucky for me, I'm an emotional white man. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It ended up being a wise choice. Yes. I was lucky enough to see you in the Book of Mormon. It was fantastic, and I've become a fan. Thank you. But it's very hard for me to imagine you singing Born to Run. So can you show us? Can you sing a little Born to Run? No. Well, Andrew Reynolds, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you, but now it is time to play a game with you, and we are calling it The Book of Merman. Ooh! You start in The Book of Mormon, but what do you know about The Book of Merman? Namely, Ethel Merman. Wait a second, is this because I'm gay? (laughs) I mean, I'm fine either way. Okay. We're going to ask you three questions about Ethel Merman. You get two right. That's all you need to do. You win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Andrew Rannells playing for? Andrew Johnston of New York, New York. All right. All right. Here we go. First question. There are a lot of stories of Ethel Merman's, quote, colorful language. Once she was backstage at Gypsy, of course, her big signature role, and overheard the stage manager swearing in front of the children in the cast. What did she say? Was it A, nobody corrupts those little angels but me, so bleep off. B, nothing, she just sang a high C until everybody's fled. <laughs> or C, quote, she said, don't say 
in front of the K-I-D-S? I'm going with C. You're right. A lot of stories about Ethel Merman's uh, colorful language. There's a story that when a religious Hollywood actress asked her to put a dollar in a swear jar for saying hell, she said, well, how much do I have to put in to make you <laughs> All right, next question. Ethel Merman's fourth and final marriage was to actor Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. It lasted only 32 days. Wow. What did she say about the marriage in her autobiography? Was it A, my marriage to Borgnine was the only thing shorter than he was? B, at work, he did McHale's Navy. At home, he was McHale's Lazy. Or C, nothing. The chapter entitled, My Marriage to Ernest Borgnine, consisted of a single blank page. Ooh. A? No, it was not A. It was C. It was only a blank page. All right. Yeah, it was not good. There are various stories about why their marriage broke up. Uh, one of them, believe it or not, is that Borgnine used to like to fart in bed and then pull up the covers, giving her a so-called Dutch oven. <laughs> and I wish I was kidding. All right, but if you get this last one right, Andrew, you win for your listener. Ms. Merman continued performing almost up to her death in 1984. Which of these was her last role? A, the voice of the shrieking poltergeist in E.T. B, playing a crazy person who thinks he is Ethel Merman. Or C, Grand Moff Burfinian in The Empire Strikes Back. B. You are right. Wow. It's in the movie Airplane. Robert Hayes is telling a war story about the old corporal whatever who went crazy and thought he was Ethel Merman, and they cut to it, and it's Ethel Merman. <laughs> and that was her last role. That's some good casting. I know. Bill, how did Andrew Randall's do in our quiz? Two out of three. That's a big win for us, Andrew. Congratulations. Yay. That's awesome. I did it. You did do it. I think it's awesome. This will be part of your volume two, I hope. I hope so, too. Angel Rannell's new memoir, Too Much Is Not Enough, is out now. Angel Rannell's, what a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank so you so much for me. Take care. In just a minute, we're shrooming on Mars in our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Planet Money tip number 17. A great analogy doesn't have to make sense. Busier than a one-legged bobcat covering up his own crap on a frozen pond. Did you just make that up? Well, yeah. Planet Money, a poetic podcast about the economy. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. This week, we're playing with Paula Poundstone, Hari Kondabolu, and Brian Babylon. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you so much. 
in just a minute. Now that Purr Rhyme is over, Bill begins fasting for Rhymadon in our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Hurry! It is true that Americans are at each other's throats, but this week the nation came together as one to condemn a guy for doing what wrong? Oh, um, is, is uh, tying the shoelaces wrong? No. Can no. I, and I have a clue. Yeah, it's like this is ridiculous. Where do you put the schmear? Oh, oh yeah! No, now you remember. Oh man, yeah, for 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 cutting bagels weird. Exactly. It was unholy. I know. A thought criminal named Alec Krautman posted a picture of what he said was a St. Louis secret, namely laying a bagel down on the table and cutting it into little slices like a loaf of bread. I'm sorry. Are there people who do that here? Excuse me. Get out! <laughs> At long last, have you no decency? <laughs> no, this, is, this is insane. Like a cantaloupe? No, yeah, no, like like a cantaloupe. No, like a slice of bread. You know, you take a, like a big loaf of bread and you oh, slice, yeah, slice, yeah. slice, 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 slice. That's what they did to a bagel. You don't do that to a bagel. And you make you it fin- is that to make it finger food? Yeah, you slice a bagel sideways through the middle so you could put one half in your ring finger and say, "Look, I'm engaged, and it's going to be a Jewish wedding." <laughs> So the internet responded to this with its normal restraint, and by the time it was over, Bob Mueller had his next crime to investigate. People from St. Louis, God bless them, tried to defend this practice, saying, you know, it makes convenient little slices to use for dipping in the traditional bagel topping in St. Louis, creamed ham. I I think that it's okay, however anybody wants to cut their bagel, it's okay. Now, Paula, I know why you'd say that, and I think it speaks well of you that you feel that way. However, you're wrong. (laughs) Paula, most New Yorkers have had experiences with rats or roaches or pigeons, but for the last two weeks, New York City has been dealing with a bizarre infestation of what? Squirrels. No, they've got that. That's not unusual. Okay, what else could it be? It's a bizarre infestation. Give me a hint, Peter. Give Old me a hint. McDonald has been called in to help. Uh, pigs. There have been pigs. Actually, pigs are the only kind that I haven't seen yet. Uh, there have been cows and ducks. <laughs> There's been a quack quack here and a quack quack there. <laughs> I'll give it to you, though. It's basically farm animals. Why are there farm animals in New York City, Peter? Nobody knows, They Paula. just keep coming in. Exactly it right. It is the end of the world. That's what's happened. <laughs> All right, a couple of weeks ago, a lamb was spotted in Brooklyn on the Gowanus Expressway. A few days ago, a cow was found in the Major Deegan Expressway. If you're wondering why this is happening, these animals have places to go, and the subway is totally unreliable these days. <laughs> you know, I would not cow. I, 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 what was the first one? Was it a, a there lamb? There was a lamb, there was a cow, there was okay. a goat I, I in would, the Bronx. I would not call a lamb, a cow, and a goat an infestation. <laughs> True, agree. Well, there's a lamb, a cow, a goat, and another goat. How's that? Well, you know, and what? they walked into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's happening is people are having these farm fresh animals. Like, oh, this is this milk. It's right outside. And then it got sloppy. Yeah. Animal escaped. Yeah. And that's what happens when you have these hipster restaurants moving to your neighborhood. Yeah. 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 That could be. I mean, that could be technically what happened. 
instead of farm to plate, it's backyard to plate. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. it's like the cow. It's in the alley. Yeah. Or maybe it was because all these annoying Brooklyn hipsters are moving to farms upstate, and the farm animals are going, "We got to get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they literally, the animals got gentrified. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> Hurry, the Bone Museum of Queensland, Australia is having a great year in terms of philanthropy. They've received four major donations from one family. The Robinson family has given them what? Is it pinky rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna need a clue. Unlike taxidermy, they can write it off their taxes. How's that? Pet, pet, uh, dogs. Yes, they're no. pets. They the have pets. donated all of their pets. Here's what happened. First, the Robinson's nine-year-old guinea pig died, and the family thought it would comfort the boy to know he could visit Caramel again just as soon as the museum's flesh-eating beetles were done chewing off its skin. <laughs> then, in a development we're deliberately choosing not to investigate further, the Robinson's cow, dog, and other dog died in quick succession <laughs> and were donated to the museum, which said it was happy to be able to help the family in their difficult time. It's a funny way to comfort someone. I'm so sorry about your grandma. Can I have her bones? <laughs> What is this museum? Is it just bones? Yeah, what? it's called the Bone Museum. Hmm. And you just, they got just different bones yeah. from different stuff. Yep. Okay, that's legit. Yeah. Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming show in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, really? You're going there after yeah. what you've said? I know. <laughs> On May 9th, and don't bring me none of your silly bagels. <laughs> you can also play our new smart speaker quiz. Just ask your smart speaker to play the Wait, Wait quiz, and you can win one of our voices on your voicemail. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, everybody. This is Jana from Waltham, Massachusetts. I know, hey, Waltham. How are you? I just broke my leg and had surgery, so um, I'm just hanging yikes. out. Oh, no. Yikes. How'd you break your leg? Uh, had the audacity to go walking. Oh, no. That's why you should <laughs> yeah. never do that. You were just walking along and it just went snap? Yeah, a little bit of uh, snow, a little oh. bit of wet, and uh. a little bit of Uggs. Oh, oh, oh Uggs, uh. that's the problem. They're from Australia. They don't have snow there. <laughs> um, I hope you're feeling up. And welcome to the show, Jenna. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you'll be a big winner. You ready to play? Yeah. Here is your first limerick. I will bring a new life to this earth, so I'll look like the millions I'm worth. I'm like Meghan Markle with lip gloss and sparkles. I look really glam, giving... Birth? Yes, birth. <laughs> Childbirth isn't just beautiful, it's now fabulous. More and more women are getting stylists to come in and get them gussied up for postpartum glamour shots. One New York spa will send a stylist to do your makeup and your hair in the delivery room. It's part of a, spe it's part of a special beauty package called, hey, how did you get in here? Now, is this, does, does Obamacare cover? <laughs> Here's your next limit. On Mars, there's no planes where the brush blooms. But no life, here a big-fingered hush looms. 
The rover has found roundish bumps on the ground. And some say those are pictures of... Mushrooms! Yes, get ready for some Martian risotto, as mushrooms might be growing on Mars. A recent study in the Journal of Astrobiology and Space Science shows photos that they say could be mushrooms growing on Mars. Although, one of the many skeptical internet commenters said, quote, the journal and article are both garbage, unquote. Or so says what is, I'm sure, a real scientist who calls himself Zebelcroid. <laughs> the photos show several clusters of the fungi taken shortly after Curiosity left the Utopia Basin and moved into what NASA is calling the Trader Joe's Flats. <laughs> the mushrooms, or alleged mushrooms, were located next to an outcrop of fingerling potatoes and a free sample of lemonade. The rover couldn't stay in Trader Joe's Flats, though, because there was no place to park. <laughs> All right, here's your last limerick. With robots, bees get what they wish. Buzz, buzz, sting, now becomes glug, glug, swish. It's just the beginning. Perhaps they'll learn swimming, for bees could now speak with some... No. Yes. Fish? Yes, fish! fish. Wow, That's right, thanks good? to no. science, bees are now talking to fish. Scientists have devised a way, I'm not kidding, to use robots to translate bee language to fish and vice versa, so that in the experiment, the bees and the fish start behaving the same way. The result is Twitter's worst unlikely animal friendship video. And no, it's easy. It's actually based on the fact that bees and fish have a lot in common. Hey, you guys like moving in a group then suddenly changing direction? Us too! How, how, do, you, how do you think the birds feel? about this. Yeah. You know, for so long, it was, like the up, birds, the, you know, it was out, like the birds and out. the bees. Yeah. You know, had the birds and the bees conversation. And then I'm like, oh, you talking to these fish, man? What happened to all <laughs> Bill, how did Jana do on our quiz? She got them all right. She's a winner. And Yay! quick. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much, Jana. Thanks for playing. And, Have a good day, guys. And good Bye. Bye-bye. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about, and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Ari has four. Paula and Brian each have two. All right. We've flipped a coin, and Paula has elected to go second, so Brian, you're up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, a federal judge blocked work requirements for people on blank in Kentucky and Arkansas. Medicare. Close enough. Medicaid, yeah. Yeah. On Tuesday, the White House's ban on blanks for semi-automatic weapons went into effect. Bump stock. Yeah, so as baseball season opened this week, the Texas Rangers' Elvis Andrews used his new walk-up music, Blank. Macarena? No, Baby Shark. On Sunday, Patriots tight end Blank announced he was retiring from the NFL. Gronk. 
Yes, Rob Gronkowski, after he was pulled over on suspicion of drunk driving, a man in South Carolina tried to hide the smell of alcohol by blanking. Um, drinking gas. By spraying Axe body spray directly into his mouth. <laughs> Police pulled the man over on Interstate 85, and before the officer made it to his window, the man quickly swished some Axe body spray to cover up the smell of alcohol. He ended up failing a road sobriety test, which in this case was just the officer asking, did you just spritz some Axe body spray in your mouth? <laughs> Bill, how did Brian do in our quiz? Three right, six more points for a total of eight, and that puts him in the lead. All right, congratulations, Brian. Next up is Paula. Here we go, Paula, fill in the blank. After the House failed to override his veto, President Trump's blank was upheld on Tuesday. Emergency thingy. Yes, for the on wall. Monday, the White House released a proclamation recognizing blanks control of the Golan Heights. Syria. No. Uh, uh, Israel. Yeah, all right. Yes, I'll give it to you this week. A border official said the influx of blanks at the U.S.-Mexican border had reached a breaking point. Families. Yes. This week, Greg Nigel became the first person in March Madness history to have a perfect bracket going into the Sweet 16. And when asked about it, he said blank. Uh, I have no idea. He said... You're uh, right. That's what he said. Oh, boy. He said, I had no idea this was happening. <laughs> On Tuesday, Purdue Pharma reached a $270 million settlement for its part in the blank crisis. Opioid. Right. In a fill-in-the-blank with the worst possible answer, a company in China is warning that their blanks may cause electric shocks. Uh, cow prods. No. <laughs> that would be good. In this case, the answer is toilet seats. Oh. Finally, a toilet that puts the dye in diarrhea. These expensive toilet seats feature water sprayers, hot air drying, and built-in warmers, but what they don't feature is a grounding wire to prevent electric shock. 40% of the seats are faulty, but don't worry, they've already been pulled from the market and repackaged as a cheap at-home electroshock therapy for your butt. Wow. That's not good. No. Bill, how did Paula do in our quiz? Well, she did good. Uh, five right, ten more points, total of 12, and takes over the lead. All right. How many, then, does Hardy Cotabulu need to win? Four to tie, five to win. All right. Here we go. Hurry, this is for the game. Phone the blank. On Tuesday, the Senate voted against advancing the Democrats' so-called blank bill. Oh, uh, New Green Deal. Green New Deal, yeah. This week, President Trump called for Russia to withdraw its military support for President Maduro in blank. Venezuela. Right. On Tuesday, officials in Rockland County, New York, banned unvaccinated children from public spaces to contain a blank outbreak. Measles. Right. After columnist Denise McAllister tweeted that the view was, quote, a roundtable of delusional mental midgets ricocheting ignorance with a picture of host Megan McCain. McCain responded by tweeting blank. Uh, what is a middle finger? No, she tweeted, you were at my wedding, Denise. Oh. Following two crashes, Blank unveiled a software fix for its 737 MAX airplane Boeing. on Wednesday. Yes. On Tuesday, prosecutors in Illinois dropped all charges against actor Blank. Uh, Jesse Smollett. Right. Thousands of passengers with connecting flights were left stranded during their layovers this week when their airline blanked. Uh, wow Airlines uh, <laughs> went bankrupt and canceled all the flights. Yes, they went completely out of business, ceasing operations instantly. My flight was canceled as so 2018. Savvy travelers today call and say, sorry, honey, my airline was canceled. <laughs> wow Airlines, a budget carrier flying between Europe and North America, apparently shut down on Thursday, stranding some passengers who were waiting to board their next flight. The airline has since partnered with other carriers to arrange rescue flights, and those who rebooked on United have come back safely while those who were rebooked on Spirit Airlines decided to just walk back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Bill, did Hurry do well enough to win? He won with 16. I've never won. Now you have. How does it feel? Man, there is no cash prize. No. Wait, wait, don't tell me. It's a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Gotika writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green. Assisted by Simon Tran and Mary Olio. Our interns are Alex McCohen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Our Imagineer is Peter Gwynn. Technical directions from Lorna White. Special thanks this week to Gary Yak. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, why will NASA cancel a spacewalk next time? Hari Kondabulu. Uh, because the space shuttle was designed by Boeing. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Babylon. Uh, a rampant Pokemon infestation. <laughs> and Paula Poundstone. Weather. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Hardy Kondabulu, Brian Babylon, Paul Pasta. Thanks all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal, and we'll see you next week. This is NPR.